Before we start the broadcast of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage podcast, I just wanted to make you all aware of the official sponsors for the 2023 series. Our agency are a full-service digital creative agency specialising in branding, web and content creation. They are delivering results in Wakefield for organisations such as Trinity Walk and the Wakefield Cathedral. And they offer upfront, no-nonsense marketing to help you achieve your goals. Drop them a line, follow them on all their social media accounts or take a look at their website and make our agency your agency. If you're a local business in the Wakefield area and interested in sponsoring the podcast, drop Lee or Jamie a message on the Heritage social media accounts and we'll get back to you as quick as we can. Now, over to you, Cammy. Hi, it's Cammy, Chris Kamara, and you are listening to the Trinity Heritage podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. They are unbelievable. Good afternoon, good morning and good evening from wherever you are listening from. My name is Jamie Robinson and welcome to episode 78 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast. I am joined as ever by my co-host, my dad, Lee Robinson. How are we doing, dad, on this Sunday afternoon we're recording for the Monday podcast? Yeah, it's a lovely Sunday afternoon. It's quite sunny outside. We've all look as though we've all been for a walk, and Chris is sat there all nice and pink from his little uh, walk around uh, Warrington, I think. Yes, hello, and welcome back to uh, our Monday night podcast. Uh, this week, we go back to more recent times, nine or ten years ago, and chat to a Lancashire lad uh, with three Challenge Cup winners' medals to his name, and came on loan to us uh, in 2014 and then signed for the following 2015 season. This week, we welcome Chris Riley. Chris, thanks for joining us, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, boys. Uh, thanks for the introduction. Um, I'm looking forward to the podcast tonight and uh, hopefully get some good stories out. Definitely so. Mate. Obviously, we were just chatting briefly before. And are you are you a man? Of, are you a man of nature? Do you like getting out into the sun when it when the sun's actually out in England? <laughs> <laughs> I love getting out, but obviously with this uh, ginger hair, I have to be uh, quite careful of uh, how long I spend out in the sun. So it's been a nice day today for once. And um, we've had a difficult couple of months haven't we, with the weather and stuff. So. Mm. As soon as the weather come out today, bright and sunny, I thought, you know, what a perfect time to get out and uh, stretch the legs a little bit. So, yes, I enjoy. I've been trying to do a few mountain walks and a few um, different area walks with a friend of mine who, who I work with. And, uh, yeah, it's been good. Obviously, I know you've been retired a couple of years now. Do you, do you try and stay fit after after retirement and everything? Um, once I retired, uh, I finished with the sport and, you know what, I can't say I was the world's best trainer, but once I finished, I didn't I didn't touch a gym for two to three years, and then I piled a lot of weight on, um, and obviously a few things in, in my personal life was going downhill a little bit, um, a marriage breakup, and uh, I found myself sort of a little bit sort of mentally not in a good place, and physically, you know, I was, I was in this, in a worse place as well. So, um, walking and, and getting out and being active is something that really does me well for my mental state and uh, something that I've tried to continue on over the last few years since retiring. Good stuff. I, I always say in, in my line of work, I'm a physiotherapist, and I always say there's, there's there's kind of doctor's medications and nature's medications of getting fresh air and sun and just a, your own thoughts as well. So it's good that you've you've kind of meditated that into yourself. Yeah, it's something that I realised, you know, after a couple of years, obviously battling, with my own sort of demons that have been going on and obviously, you know, anyone that sort of has that sort of home life breakup, 
you know, my marriage had broken down. And that home life that I had, that that safety blanket of, you know, family unit, it 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 had gone. And um, I'd obviously a couple of years before that I'd retired from rugby. So everything that was sort of structured in my life and gave me a sense of purpose um, had gone in the space of a couple of years. So I found myself a little bit lost and I'm wondering, you know, what sort of person I was and what sort of direction I wanted to go in life. And it was very difficult for a little bit, but um, what I truly realised after a little bit of time is I grew up with a mum and dad that never drove. So if we had to go somewhere, it was either, you know, a bus, a taxi, but, you know, I came in a family that didn't really have a lot of money. So we just walked to a lot of places. And you know what, you know, since we've got back out walking, you know, it's amazing. And, you know, we've got some wonderful places in the UK. Uh, that's beautiful, the scenery and just, just getting that fresh uh, fresh air into your lungs and, and, you know, the scenery is amazing. And it, it, having a bit of friendship and walking with a few friends and that has it, been amazing. You know, I climbed um, Snowden a couple of times and I've done that with family and friends. And the last time I did that, I took my friend from who lives down in Essex. <laughs> and as we got halfway up, it's like, it was like full of snow. <laughs> but you know what, it was, it was just amazing. Just, you know, nature is just a wonderful thing. So, yeah, it was great. Superb stuff. Great start to the podcast, Chris. Um, usually the first question I ask to everyone, I don't know if you've listened before, is what is the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the words Wakefield Trinity? And I'm going to pose that to you as well. Uh, you know, I, I think when I was playing at Warrington, the first sort of word that come would be, you know, grubby. <laughs> I, found, I found playing against Wakefield, you know, a difficult game. You know, there was never the... The flashes of teams never had the big names, but you know, coming up against them was was difficult. And um, even if that was a home or away, you know, we had some difficult battles against Wakefield. And whether we got the two points or not, it was always a difficult game to come come from. And yeah, I found that you know probably the word yeah, a bit grubby. You know, some there's some good players in there, you know, Danny Kerman, Ben Kane, but you know, they came with sort of a little bit of reputation that they like to mix up a little bit as well. So yeah. That's probably my choice of word. Not the best part. <laughs> we like that. Listen to uh, Lancashire. We're, we like to be a bit grubby when Lancashire lads come over. Um, over. Over the years, Bellevue has been called the graveyard. And like Warrington, Wigan, St. Helens, they've, they've all sort of come unstuck a little bit in the, in the Bellevue mud over the years. So a bit of a graveyard, a bit of a grubby place to come, but uh, we're proud of it. It's our church. No, I, I agree. I probably only sense that when I started to play for Wakefield. And um, we got some great results. Mm. At home, um, we turned over Leeds and we turned over Wigan, um, and same again. We didn't win by you know the flashes of skills and you know big plays, but you know we gr- we grinded it out. And you know it's not a pretty place to come, but you know it's uh, certainly a good good omen to have to you know when you come up against these big teams, you know use that home advantage. And yeah, it's uh, it was a good place to play out. I enjoyed good, it. Good stuff, mate. Let's rewind it from here, mate. Uh, are you a Warrington lad, born and bred? I am. Yes. Yes. Uh, I was born uh, 1988, um, local lad, um, brought up in a couple of uh, rough estates in Warrington, mm-hmm. uh, in Dallam and Longford. Um, and then, you know, by working class family, we didn't have a lot. But what I did have a lot in, it was a lot of loving, you know, a lot of love and care. And I was nurtured in the right way. Were you destined to be a rugby league player coming from Warrington? You know what, to be fair, when you get brought up, you know, a lot of, local lads and, and obviously kids want to play football. You know, you got your local clubs either side of Warrington, which is Manchester and Liverpool. You know, we get brought up to, you know, support Liverpool or Manchester and everyone's got a football and we used to use the grids in the streets to be our goalpost. Um 
it was only when I moved back to Dallum when I got to about nine years of age, um, the local rugby team down there, Longshore Street Rangers. Um, a friend of mine who lived next door but one, um, Jack, he just said, why don't you come down and, and try it out? And I knew rugby league from, from my granddad. My granddad's from Goldburn, so he's a big, huge Wigan fan. My dad's a Wigan fan, but the rest of the family are Warrington fans. So rugby league's in the family, but as a young kid growing up, it wasn't so huge until I started getting down to the local club. And once I realised that, I was quite good at it. Yeah, it was a, I never looked back. Good stuff, man. Did I, did I hear you mention soccer then? And I've, I've heard a, a little story along the way that your dad's a League United supporter. <laughs> yeah, he's a Wigan fan and a, and a League United supporter. So um, my first ever football kit was a League United kit. <laughs> um, I think there's a picture of me in my, in my granddad's back garden with this Leeds kit on, but my face is not happy uh, one bit. Um, and once I got around like my local friends and stuff, yeah, I chose the sport Liverpool after that, so my dad wasn't quite happy. <laughs> Good stuff. We're Leeds fans over here, suffering a bit this year, a bit like Trinity, so we're uh, we're all on a bit of a low over here in West Yorkshire moment. Um, Wollstone Rovers, mate, was that another junior club of yours? Yeah, so as I said, I started at Longshore Street Rangers um, and I did a, a few years there growing up. Um, by the time we got to a certain age group, we, we were really struggling to get players on board. So my coach at the time, Billy Willows, um, had come up to two or three of us that was sort of decent players and just said, like, we are really struggling to get a team up next year and, and we don't really want to spoil your reputation um, and we'd like your development to keep going. And So he advised us to go and find new clubs. Um, so I originally went to Crossfields mm-hmm. at first, but they didn't have a, a team my age group, so I trained for a little bit, but because I didn't really know any lads, I sort of started to dwindle out a little bit, and then I went to a club called Ryland Sharks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played a few games, um, and whilst in high school, I played in a school final, and I ended up making a break, and um, some lad caught me, and sort of, I had a bad knee injury, and I pulled my crucial ligament in my knee, and... I was out for a long while, so I took a year out of rugby league. Uh, and then that's when I rejoined uh, rugby again and I joined Wilson Rovers for the last two amateur years before signing for Warrington. Were, were, it, were it always smooth sailing? Obviously, apart from your knee injury, were, were you always one of the better players or did you really have to work at it to, to make it? I found that I had a bit of, of ability, but um, my development as a, as a person, my, my body was was fragile. I was a, a very skinny kid growing up, but I had I had speed, and I've seen speed. You know, it absolutely kills in, in sport, especially rugby league. Um, you know, get that sniff a bit of space, and I was gone. But when I, once I got tackled, you know, I was down crying half the time, and I had my mum giving me a clip round the back of the head because I was, I was too soft. So it took me a while um, to develop and to grow into you know into a bit of a, a man from a boy's body, but. I knew that I had some sort of ability. I really enjoyed, you know, getting on the ball. I ran above my weight. I wanted to tackle and, and, and get involved in, in games. So I knew that I had that passion from an early age. I just thought I needed that little bit of development and you know, a little bit of lady look along the way. And and do you remember the first time when, when Warrington came calling? Yeah, I was sort of around 15. Um, I'd already, I've been on sort of service area teams around 13 and scholarships. Um, and obviously around that time, you start... Clubs start looking around sort of the northwest area, and you know I, I heard that I've been on a couple of regional camps and national camps, and you know you sort of hear like interest of other clubs, but nothing ever really came to fruition from other clubs. So 
my development was sort of coming straight through Warrington and, and Warrington made it known that they wanted to sign me at 16. And, and yeah, that's when I first signed my first semi-professional contract with Warrington Wolves and yeah, it was great. And it, you were you were right in the time when Warrington were on the up as well. I, I don't know, were, were, had Halliwell Jones been built by then, by the time you'd been signed? Um, I think it was sort of in, in the process of being yeah. being built. Um, obviously, I've still had a couple of years at Willisco. So, yes, I think I signed. Hallow Jones had just been built. Um, I was still playing my academy games at Willisville because the stadium had lasted you know, a few years after it had finished first team. And uh, yeah, so yeah, when I signed, I went to the Hello Jones Stadium. We we did a sort of a you know announcement that we'd signed at under 16s. We did a little bit of a pitch parade, and then um, yeah, it was a sort of fast track from there. Really, it was um, I think by the time I was seventeen, I ended up you know making my debut, and I wasn't even full time in the in the, in the first team at that, at the stage. I'm always fascinated by that transition from being a, a young lad and a middle teenager at your local club to then being fast-tracked into an academy to then making your debut not even too long after. Like, you know, had you even passed your driving test by the time you'd, you'd made your debut? No, I was, I was a bit lazy in terms of passing my driving test. It took me a little while then. Um, Matty Blythe um, lets me know that I still owe him about £8,000 in, in petrol money. So, um yeah, it was it was surreal, really. I can't really put into words properly of how quick that sort of transition happened. I just remember signing from the 16s and um, the under-18s, I did really well. And they got to their first division final, I think it was against Huddersfield. And I sort of, um, I played a few games for the under-16s and then the coaches at, in the academy were saying, like, you know, we want you and Ben Harrison and... Um, not too sure who else to come and play in the under 18s, but we hadn't played any under 18s games at this stage. So we took a couple of play spots in their final game, which I, I can understand now looking back that some of these academy players at the time wasn't happy. That obviously, I came in and, and Ben Harrison had, had took some of these play spots when they played well all year. And we were you know, fortunate to play in a final that we won against Huddersfield, which was obviously a good stepping stone. And then I played a couple of games in the pre season friendly, you know, the season after. I think we played against Barrow and I scored a couple of tries coming off the bench um, and I played against Bradford and then um, that season obviously I carried on with academy I played um, under 18s and then sometimes I dropped into the under 21s and um, I think there was a few injuries you know with the first team and, and, and especially in the outside backs so I got asked to come down and train for a few days with the first team and then I remember having an ice bath so I was sat in a um, a bin full of you know freezing cold water, ice at the top. I was shivering, and Paul Cullen came over and just playing against St. Helens. And uh, <laughs> so I was already shivering as it was. And then Paul Cullen <laughs> came over and was like, Just to let you know, you know, um, you might be playing this week in St. Helens. And my heart just sunk. I was just like, Oh my God, surely not. Like my, my first game for the first team is going to be against St. Helens and 17, not even trained full time or anything in that environment. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't get picked for that game. and well, maybe it was probably a good thing that I didn't get been playing that game. But the week after, I ended up playing my full debut against Huddersfield uh, at the age of seventeen, um, and I was quite chilled throughout the week. Really, you know, I didn't really know all the first team players. I just knew them. Obviously, I'd been watching them for years growing up. Um, and then next minute, I'm in the changing rooms with you know Lee Brees, Nat Wood, um, Cole Love, uh, Mike Wainwright, and all these like you know men. Just walking around, I was just a little seventeen-year-old skinny boy. I remember 
Paul Derbyshire coming up to me and even at the stage, none of them really knew a lot about me and he came up to me like, how much do you weigh, Chris? Because Sky Sports are asking. And I was like, I think at the time, I think I weighed about nine and a half stone and he was like, we'll tell them 12 and a half stone. So yeah, it was, um, and then, yeah, sort of played a couple of games that year and then I signed a, a full-time contract for the year after and that's when I became full-time with the, uh, the first team. In that first season, then obviously looking at that Huddersfield away in your first game, who, who was a couple of your opposite numbers? If you were, if you felt as though you were going to be outweighed a little bit. Well, I've got a couple of pictures on my on, on my laptop and, and on my phone where I've got Earl Crabtree running at me, <laughs> Nathan Wood, Tolkoa Love, and I'm sort of just on my tiptoes, and I'm only just sort of almost grabbing the ball, <laughs> and I've got a one where I'm trying to tackle Stanley Jean. Um, so they're sort of the the bigger players that I come up against, and obviously I think it was um, I think the winger was Paul White at the time. Mm. Played for um, Wakefield as well. It, yeah, he did. Um, he was my opposition at the time. He stopped me from scoring a try in the corner, which would have been a nice uh, moment to have. But uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a tough game. I was I was fine all week, and then once the game kicked off, the, the nerves kicked in, and Huddersfield put up a few bombs, and uh, I sort of. Dealt with it, then didn't deal with it, and then you know made a few little mistakes. But you know what? It was part of a learning curve, and it was it was great to just get out there and and do my thing. And you know, it took me a little while because I think I've said before, um, I was sort of a a little boy in a man's world uh, for a good few years until I sort of got developed um, physically wise. Um, and even then, I know I've never always been the biggest sort of players, but you know I've had a lot of heart, and that's what's done me good for the years. Were you at the club when when Andrew Johns came? I was, yeah, I was. Um, I was on the bench. And, oh, amazing! Um, you know, you know, well done to the club at the time. Um, you know, to pull that one over because obviously, you know, you don't get that many opportunities to play with some world class players like like Andrew Johns, who's probably probably one of the best players um, ever to you know grace the fields of you know rugby league and for him to come over to you know Warrington. Yeah, so I remember the first game, it was against Leeds at home. You know, it was a packed Hallow Jones Stadium. It was absolutely bouncing. Um, and I was I was on the bench. Uh, I was buzzing. You know, young kid, uh, playing in the first game already and just being happy to be part of Warrington Wolves. And then for Andrew Johns to come in and just, just his aura around the club at the time. I remember um, I, I used to always do like a little kicking and catching drill with um, Paul Derbyshire. And then Andrew Johns came over and just gave me a couple of five, like five minutes and he's like, you know, the fullbacks in Australia, you know, they'll do this and they'll tap the ball and just give me a few little tips and it's just like so priceless in, in just a few minutes. And, you know, I'm just some little kid from Warrington and, you know, this is Andrew Johns coming over to spend a few minutes with me. So it was just amazing. I think the he just rubbed off on every single player. Um, I, I, that game against Leeds, you know, I hadn't seen us play that well, you know, all season. It was just sort of a boost that we just all needed. But, you know, for the fact that the club to pull that off, you know, um, Sam Moran was critical in that and, and I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of finances involved um, to pull that one off as well. But, you know, it was great just for, you know, the club, but rugby league in general, you know, you don't to get a player like that of that calibre was amazing. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, like you just said, the um, what well, the, the ground was heaving, wasn't it? It was a sellout, 10, 12, whatever thousand it was. He only played three games, but didn't he lift the profile of Warrington that, that, that month? <laughs> yeah, you, you know, it was... It, it was just a fantastic period. I remember being around and, you know, training was at that extra boost and um, 
he, the demand that he put on straight away, he didn't sort of sit back and, you know, ease his way in. He came in, he, you know, he, he took control. He was calling plays. He was the If a pass was, a you know, an inch off, he'd be, you know, be blowing up. And that was the standards that he set, you know, throughout all his career. But, you know, to come to Warrington and just set, set that straight away. And it was amazing. You know, like I said, it was short-lived. But that was sort of the sort of the start of the, the journey for Warrington, that, that period where they went from sort of a, you know, sleeping giant to then, you know, starting to achieve some good stuff. That's right. It was all high expectations, wasn't it, Warrington in this era? So looking at this era, 2005, 2006, 2007, you were in and out a lot. You played three games one year, five games another, 10 games another. Were you in and out of the A-team come academy a lot? Yeah, so I was very fortunate. We had, you know, the under-21s at the time, which yeah. you know, I think rugby, Rugby league really needs to have a, a good look at again and, and setting up that system. Because um, I think players like myself, who was obviously fortunate to get into the first team um, after making my debut, but obviously not quite ready to be playing first team rugby league, but being exposed to, you know, that full time environment, training with, you know, with men, you know, heavy lifting, fitness, and being involved. But then to be able to drop into the under 21s, where I think it was allowed up to four or five first team players. And so many, you know, underage, under 23s, etc. at the time. Because I remember playing against Wigan on a Thursday night and we had, you know, myself, Ben Harrison, Andrew Prachek. Then we had Danny Lima, Mark Hilton and Michael Sullivan. And then on the on the opposite side, we had obviously the, the Tomkin brothers, Daryl Gilding, um, Prescott. Um, then it was JVCUCU, former New Zealand international. You know, so we you know, playing a part of this academy system, although it wasn't, you know, a full first-team game, it was sort of a development that was great to play against, you know, players like that and, and start being able to grow and, you know, test yourself against some quality opposition. And you had some great players as well by your side. I'm just looking at some of the Warrington players over in this era when you first started, like Brett Hodgson, Henry Pifeili, Monaghan, Chris Hicks, Matt King. You still had Lee Breers there. So you still you had some sort of quality opposition to that wing position as well. Yeah, you know, when I look back and, you know, I think the early days, you know, I grew up in obviously, you know, the first team, Henry Farfeely, you know, we got him like a house on fire, you know, he classes himself as my uncle, um, <laughs> took me on his wing, you know, he, he come under a lot of criticism at first, you know, I think um, a lot of people expect a lot of things, but he could finish a try. Uh, and same again, you know, Warrington sort of in that development period as well, so, you know, Cullen deserves a lot of credit. He brought in some great players, and and we started to re- started to build Warrington into a bit of a more of a force, but not just quite getting there and and getting the best out of some of the players that we had at the time. But yeah, I've had to come in and and on my own against some of these, you know, star-studded wingers, Matt King, um, you know, some of these Chris Hicks. It's it, it was it was difficult because I was sort of in and out, but you know, sort of around two thousand nine, I sort of brought myself into the first team when Jimmy Lowe's was. I became coach and um, I had a, a long period of playing and then obviously Richard Mavers came in and we did like some a swap deal where I think Gleason went to Wigan and you know Richard Mavers came back over to Warrington mm-hmm. um, and I know Richard Mavers had been at Warrington at um, early days in his academy early career and so I sort of then went from fullback to winger and then some part through that year we brought in Brian Carney. And that's where I sort of missed out again a little bit. And then within a few games of Brian playing, I was water boy against Leeds at Headingley. And Brian Carney went to make a tackle and he broke his arm in the process of making the tackle. And that's sort of given me the 
the door open again to get back in the first team and obviously, you know, to be successful to win the first Challenge Cup that year in 2009. Well, exactly. That's what you were just... I've got that down to the next question. Brian Carney came, broke his arm against Leeds. He only had four games. You were back in and then before you knew it, you were, you were at Wembley in a cup final in 2009. Tell us about that experience as a, as a young kid. Um, amazing. It's, it's everything that you dream of. I think growing up, um, like I was sort of not too late but you know a bit of a late bloom in terms of I was nine years old before I started playing rugby league and I know some some kids play earlier than that but growing up and obviously you know my granddad my dad being huge Wigan fans you know Wembley was a, a massive tr- tradition um, watching Wigan lift that famous trophy up for, for many years um, obviously I was only a, a wee baby at, in 1990 when Wigan played Warrington mm-hmm. um, uh, so for me to be part of that first team um, since that final and then to be successful oh, was amazing um, first of all just to play at Wembley um, you know I've dreamed of that I've dreamed of that moment for so many years and to, to want to be to lift that famous trophy up uh, but then when we came back to Warrington that, that first one in 2009 um, sticks in the memory more than probably some of the others even though I was probably more experienced and, and, and got to score in the final one at, uh, in 2012 but that first one, just coming back to Warrington to see how much it meant to the club, and you know we've we've missed out on so many so much silverware over the years um, to bring that back. I think it had been thirty five years. Um, I can remember now being told, and just seeing you know old men cry and 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 women screaming and kids in the street, just how much it meant to you know the people of the town, you know who, who pay their hard earned money each week to come to watch us play. Um, so obviously, as players, we want to be successful and, and win win games and, and win trophies. But just how much it means to the general public, you know, just just to see that and they're the sort of memories that I take, you know, from from rugby league. It's just seeing people, just how much how passionate they are, and you know, wherever wherever I've gone as as a, as a player, you know, just how much it means to the, them hardcore fans of each club. So yeah, it was great to be successful in that period. When when we interviewed Richie Mathers and he spoke about his Wembley final, obviously alongside you and, and for Leeds, he always spoke about standing in the tunnel before and it would, you could almost hear the, a, a pin drop, but then suddenly you would hear a, like a, a wave of Abide With Me or Jerusalem or whatever it would be. Yeah, Abide what, With what, Me, yeah. Yeah, what, what, what was it like standing in the tunnel? You know, opposite your opposite number, you, you, you're, back, you're full of nerves, but you, you, you're moments away from creating history. Yeah, we'll go back to the first one in, in 2009. I think um, it was it was surreal. It was, I remember the night before, the week leading up, I was fine. You know, the you know we had a game plan. I remember Tony had set up a little um, plan where, because Huddersfield had defended really tight, um, when they kicked off to a certain way, we'll take one in and then we'll kick it to me, just o- over the side of the wingers. And then we did it in the game um, and it came off and it was sort of that week leading up, it was great, it was fine, it was relaxed, but I remember going to bed the night before and I couldn't sleep. <laughs> the nerves had just kicked in, it was just a horrible feeling. I was sort of just ringing family and, and, and just trying to get that thought out of my head. But the tunnel was a weird experience because obviously, you know, we're just about to walk out into the front of, you know, 70 plus, nearly 80 plus thousand fans um, at Wembley, but I was quite calm. You know, it was, I was trying to soak it in as much as I could. You know, there's a few um, chats going on within the tunnel, you know, from the Huddersfield side, from our side. But I just tried to get, stay, remain calm and, and, and listen to what was going on. And 
it's it's a, just a great moment, you know. I think you see it, like I said before, over the years, and watching them uh, famous clubs go and lift that famous trophy and walk out, and and just just to be a part of it was just amazing. I, I'm surprised myself by how chilled I was um, in being such a young kid as well. Uh, I think I was about nineteen or twenty by the time I won that first trophy. Um, so yeah, it was a one of the best moments in my, in my life. I think, you know, I've played in some great games and, and atmospheres at the Allo Jones, the DW Stadium. Um, but yeah, just to walk out of Wembley was just, uh, yeah, got the, uh, the hairs on the back of your neck standing up. And look, I'm just looking at the team on this day. I mean, every plot it possible to, to play wing at a professional level, but sometimes a winger can only be as good as his inside centre. And that day, you've got Matt King inside. Yeah, I bet you were pretty confident all day. You know what? I, I love Matt Kingy. Um, another player that took me under his wing um, demanded a lot from me. Because, um, as you can imagine, when I first came in, I was a quiet kid. Um, didn't like to say too much in front of the, the first team players. Um, but on game day, if I wasn't talking, Matt King would be given given to me tenfold. Um, you know that that demand that he expected from me as a as a winger and as a as a as a pair player. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. Every confidence that I needed. I think I had Monaghan as my scrum half, um, Louis Anderson as my back row. You know, so the, the, I had quite a good, experienced, tough players, um, fantastic players, and yeah, none more than Matt King who just taught me through a game and and just helped me just do my game well. And you know what, he he come under a lot of criticism when he first started. Um, I remember you know there's few games and the infamous middle finger that he stuck up against the, the fans at the time and then, you know, it just all clicked. We had a kicking game that, you know, Brazier just put on a on a sixpence for him and he just plucked out of the air, you know, he was so tall. Um and that's where, you know, Matt King as a player just grew. But we always understood his the work that he did for us. It was it was great. He come in, do lots of carries, defended really well. So for me it was just great to be, you know, outside some of these, you know, fantastic players, especially in a in a in a game like that, you know, you know, you can't ask for any more than that. And I'm just looking at the sides of all three Challenge Cup wins, mate. But there's there's only a select few of the that started in the 13 of all three games, and that's yourself, um, Lee Breers, uh, Gareth Carvel, and Benny Westwood. Everyone else either rotated around or came off the bench, or obviously didn't play at all. So that must mean summit to you that you're, you're one of the you're one of the couple to actually start all three all three wins. Yeah, you know what I think. Um... I didn't really know that as, as a start from... I know that obviously I played in all three, but you know, just that there's only a select few of us that played that. Um, I know Tony would, would like to, you know, throw a spanner in the works. Um, I remember him, I think the 2009 one, I think he dropped Paul Rahihi, mm. which was quite a surprise to some of us players, but obviously Tony had his reasons for that. And, you know, and then obviously, you know, I played with Tyrone McCarthy, who'd only played one or two games leading up to that. You know, and he, he got a phone call. I think he said he was in Trafford Centre. And he thought it was a bit of a joke, um, but yeah, he, he got called up to the the final. And I think the 2010 one, we'd signed Richie Myler, and he got dropped yeah. for the first one in there. Um, so yeah, he, Tony would always like to sort of you know tinker a little bit and 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 see what he he thought fitted best. And for me as a player, I always felt like even though I had to battle against some of the you know more experienced wingers and outside backs. I felt like I had that trust of Tony and I think I felt like the more games I played, he he, he put that faith in me to, to <clears throat> come up and, and do well. 
And once again, when, when we spoke with Richard Mathers about this, he, he he quotes that 2010 Challenge Cup win, the 30 points to six over Leeds has almost been the perfect game for you guys. Everything you possibly tried came off. Every Everything you wanted to do came came to fruition. Do, do you remember that exactly as it was? Yeah, that was probably the most convincing out of the, the three finals that we that was I was a part of. And we couldn't have done anything more in that, in that final, probably just to score more points, really. We, we played really well. Like you said, um, I felt like we commanded the game from start to finish. And, um, you know, credit to the lads. We, we went there. We was full of confidence from the year before. And uh, even leading up to that, you know, not in a in a cocky way, but more in, in a confidence that we just felt like this was our final again. We just had that that feel around the, the place and we're still on the, you know, at the back of a good run of, the 2009 final, and obviously, I think we was doing quite well in the, in the league that year. And yeah, it was just everything that we did come off. And you know, some sometimes you get games like that where you sit back at the end of the game, and think, "Well, it was sort of almost a, an 80 minute performance." I mean, you have touched on it finally as well, just as we finish off on your challenge. 20, 2012, mate, you crossed the line on the 49th minute at Wembley. 79,000 fans there, and obviously, you came out with a win again, 35-28 against Leeds. Dream come true, I can only imagine. Yeah, as a winger, you know, you just want to score tries and especially on the on the biggest stages. And um I felt like in the first couple there was a couple of chances that, you know, maybe could have got my first try, but it never really came off and end of the day you just want to win win the game no matter what and you know, put your selfish side of a winger and want to score tries to a side because you want to win the main prize, which is obviously the challenge cup, and that's what means more. But Especially when it got to the third one, I was more of an experience. I, I had another successful season, twenty twelve. I was I was scoring tries, I was confident. But yeah, I've got to give a lot of credit to Ryan Atkins for that one. We I think Brett Hodgson had put a great pass across, and usually you know in that sort of position, Ryan would you know would go himself because he was you know strong, powerful, and he wasn't too far apart. Unselfishly, give me the ball, um, and I went sliding in. So yeah, it was a one of my one of my best moments you know to score at Wembley. You know. Um, in front of the fans, in front of my family. And um, I had a, my first child um, was there as well, Isabella. And I remember after the game, I was like, oh, did you see daddy score? Did you see dad score? And, and she said, no, I was asleep. <laughs> so I was I was gutted, but you know, it was, you know, my dad was there, you know, my, my other family members, friends, you know, to, for them to see me score at Wembley, you know, I think uh, when they talk about it, it, just, you know, it makes me feel I'm proud and, and, and uh, yeah. Think about it now, it just, it just bring about good memories now and just talking about it. It's just great to be successful and, 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 and be part of it. A period of, you know, successful Warrington, you know, I've, I'm, I'm a local lad. It just means so much to me to to be successful and, and bring that back home to the club. But, you know, as a, as a player, you know, there was moments I dreamt of as a little kid, walking up them famous steps at Wembley. Although, you know, I watched a lot of games at the old Wembley, but, you know, still was, you know, historic and, you know, great for the... You know the the history of the Challenge Cup is amazing, and not even at the new Wembley now, it's just as good. And the grays, the day is amazing. But yeah, to be part of that, I've, I've been very blessed and, and fortunate to be a part of that. Have you got your medals? Do you keep your memorabilia? I've got two. I give my dad one. Um, I was getting a bit greedy one time at the time, um, but yeah, no. I, I finishing the game in 2012. I went upstairs and my dad was there and I just took off my neck and I put it on my dad and said, you can keep that one. So my dad's got one at his house and I've got the two at mine. Yeah, I've got all my medals, even the, the, the two losers, grand finals, 
um, medals that I've got. You know, I kept them. You know, although you know, unfortunate. You know, you never like losing, but you know, I was proud of even getting there and, and being a part of you know the biggest games possible. So, although I would have liked to, you know, got a Super League winners ring. You know, that's I got to play a part of it. Could you could you uh, keep your shirts as well? Were you allowed to keep your Wembley shirts? Yeah, I've kept it all as much as as much memorabilia I could have kept. I've got a flag that um, a fan went through on the pitch. I've still got that um, from the two thousand nine final. I've got some um, brochures um, that I've got, you know, player signatures in there as well and stuff. So I've kept quite a bit. And yeah, I've got the shirts um, at most clubs that I've, I've played at, and I've rubbed a couple of other players' shirts along the way as well. So. Yeah, I've got some stuff. I'd like to frame a few more as, as the years go by. I've got a couple of framed up already. But, um, yeah, we've got the Wembley ones there. Brilliant stuff, mate. Yeah, well, well Challenge Cup is so... It's, 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 it's up there, isn't it? One of the greatest things in the rugby league. And listening to your story of winning three three medals at, at a young age, you know, I remember... I'm old enough to remember Warrington beating Featherstone Rovers at Wembley in 1974. So I can see there's a big gap between 74 and this uh, up until 2009 when you won. So, yeah, I bet it was great for the Warrington public and great for you as a person. And, and just listening to, challenge, you, you, listening to your, your Challenge Cup stories, wonderful. It's quite, it can bring tears to your eyes, can't it? No, it has. It's, um, you know, as the time goes on and, and, you, and the more you become retired, you know, you don't really get to see many people and, and bounce off them years of, of success. Mm. Um, you know, and it's always good to relive their moments. They're the, they're the, they're the best times of your rugby playing career and, you know, I look back with very fond memories and, and they're the ones and sometimes I look back and, you know, clips come up on YouTube and it's nice to look back and then moments and just seeing how happy some of the players are in, in that moment, not just myself. But, um, it just brings back the, you know, the bus journey back home to Warrington, um, the nights out and stuff when you're celebrating. It's just them moments that are behind the scenes of just on the field, you know, that that, that togetherness, was that bond that you have with them players because, you know, the following season, isn't going to be the same playing squad. You know, there's going to be, you know, two, three players moving on and new players coming in. So it's just amazing moment to have in that, in that one game. So I remember, I can't remember exactly which game, it might be the 2010 one, um, that Tony asked us to go out on the pitch after the game. And once the crowd had gone and, and, and just for us to soak it in and have a beer together and just have that moment too, because, you know, that moment would never come back again. So to look back at, you know, and think about memories like that, it's just amazing. Wonderful stuff, mate. Great stories. On the flip side, mate, you just couldn't get over the line when it came to uh, the Super League Grand Final, could you? You know, in like 2010, you finished third. 2011, you finished top. 2012, you finished second. 2013, you finished second. Every year, you sort of failed at either the Grand Final or the semis, didn't you? Yeah, so, you know, talking about the success that we did, have, we, we probably look back and, and, and say we probably underachieved to a certain degree as well. Um, although we give ourselves a chance, you know, what, in my period that I was there, um, you know, two grand finals, and then we lost out against Leeds in in twenty eleven, mm -hmm. um, and the squad that we had, the playing roster that we had, the coach, um, the, the the strength and depth that we had, we probably did slightly underachieve. You know, although we are very proud and and, and grateful for the, for the Challenge Cup success, and you know, it's no easy mean feat to like go out and win Wembley, you know, against, you know, three great teams in terms of like Huddersfield and Leeds twice. Um, but we came a little bit unstuck and 
especially that probably that Wigan one uh, it's probably the most. Um, I think we sort of played really well in that first half, um, and then we come up unstuck with a a draw on and head injury. Um, we had to go off. Um, they scored just before half time down my side. Um, but even still, then we felt very confident in 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 the change rooms at half time that we go out and get that job done. But you know, you got to give credit to Wigan. They just stuck to a game plan and it was relentless. The tough. There were a couple of decisions that you know could have gone either way. I think there was a sort of a, a cannonball tackle that was flying around at the time, um, and Steph Ratchford had, had got hit really low and he'd hurt his ankle and, and we lost Steph as well. So we had to reshuffle the squad. And I remember at one stage I was, I was looking back and we had Lee Brears at fullback <laughs> um, at the mighty age of you know thirty plus, um, rolling back the years. So. We had to rejuggle, but that one really hurts the most because we had it probably in our hands, you know, going into half time. I know rugby is an eighty minute game and nothing's ever guaranteed, but we, that's probably the one that sort of slipped away because I think the learning curve from losing against Leeds, how they sort of grinded out the game, um, even though we, we sort of went in front in the second half with a try by Ryan Atkins just on the left side. Um, we came up with a couple of little plays that, you know, didn't come off, you know, and all season they've been coming off, but on the biggest stage, you know, I think anybody Libre's putting like a little short kick over the side for Joel Monan. And most weeks they was coming off, but you know, unfortunately they didn't come off in a few of the little plays. Um just didn't really come off for us and, and Leeds, you know, kicked long and defended well and, you know, you look back and you think, you know what, credit when it's due, you know, when you get beat by, you know, the better team on the night. That's what it was with Leeds, but that Wigan one was sort of, you know, bittersweet. It was just sort of we give ourselves a chance, but it just sort of got taken away and you look Give Wigan credit to the tough side, you know, they're successful in order to win big games, and unfortunately, we, we came unstuck against them. Yeah, and the big names kept rolling up at Warrington as well. You know, you look at people like Adrian Morley and David Solomon. Solomon is one of our big heroes over here at Trinity. What was it like playing with him? Was he on your side, on your left edge? I think he played across the middle, to be fair, you yeah. know, left side, right side. Yeah, Sol, he was um, amazing. You know, so I, I watched him and, and played against him um, a few times when he played at Wakefield and Bradford. Um, so we were very fortunate to, you know, have him at Warrington. For a big fella, he had skills, great personality, and footwork for, you know, like I said, for a big fella, you know, he had, he had it all. And he was my roommate in Australia. Oh, yeah. And we went to, we went to Australia and... Um, yeah, he had the pleasure of putting up with me for three weeks. Although he takes the mic because um, at the time I, I played on a game called Football Manager. I don't know if you know that game. One of my favourite but... games. One of my favourite <laughs> games. Well, you know, I think I'm a professional uh, football manager these days. But um, I played hours on end. So when I had any free time, so I'd be like, "Are you playing with there?" Like, so try and get involved in stuff, and you just be like, "I'll leave. I'll leave you to it." But no, we, it was great. It was great to have around the club. Big personality, obviously. So we had. Another player from Wakefield, which was Benny Westwood, or Super Benny Westwood, as, as we call him in Warrington. Um, then, them sort of big personalities, what you have, what you have to have in the squad and stuff. And yeah, it was just great to have him. I I, I scored a few tries off Big Sol and the way he could pass the ball. And I remember the biggest memory I remember was against Catalans in the semi final at Widnes. He sort of got the ball and just sort of flicked it around the back for yeah. Lee Brees, and, and Lee Brees scored and. Just, just one of them. You just don't see them sort of passes from from big forwards. So yeah, Sol was a, was amazing. Have you always been a winger? Uh, well, yeah, winger and fullback. I, I sort of come through the ranks at Warrington. Sort of when I made my debut, I was on the wing. Um, but during my academy times, I was playing at fullback. 
I think that speed and and I could make a break and and the open field that I had at fullback was much more suited to me because I had more space to sort of play around. But my I didn't have the skills asset of, of a sort of a Brett Hodgson sort of a player, you know, them yeah. them half back sort of fullbacks. I was sort of a elusive runner. Similar sort of Tompkins, but obviously Tompkins sort of developed his game as a six and and you know he had that better much better passing game than me. But I played I'm not too sure what the stats are, but I played a good handful of games at, at fullback during my time at uh, Bournemouth, especially the 2009 season. Um, under Jimmy Lowe's, he, he started me at fullback, and I had, a, I think, a long period at fullback until Richie Mathers came in, and then obviously that's when I dropped to the wing, and then same again the 2010 season, sort of dropped in and out of wing and fullback, um, and then played at Murrayfield and. Um, Richie Mavis had to leave. He was on the, the birth of his daughter, and I, I slotted straight into fullback. So between winger and fullback, you know, most of my career was was wing. But you know, I played a good handful of games at fullback as well, which I enjoyed. <laughs> the reason why I asked because I, I was going to ask you about your England Knights experience because you, you made your debut for England Knights in 2012. And you were fullback against Ireland. Remember that? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I've had Kerry uh, Purtell was the coach I think at the time yeah um, and same again I, I played a lot of my games um, growing up in the food academy system I was always at fullback and obviously we had Kepenny who played on the wing so we had a good link up play etc um, so once I got picked for England Knights I sort of always seemed to get asked to play fullback which I was happy to do as well so they had that trust and faith in me to play at fullback and I was just happy to you know Represent England, you know, at any level. So to get the opportunity to play was either fullback or wing. And obviously, as a wing, you're going to get some more opportunities. You know, fullback, you can time yourself in and, you know, link up play and support play. But, um, you know, I enjoyed it, the opportunity I got given. That England Knights, I'm just going back to that England Knights debut. Um, there were some big players around you at the time. You know, you were fullback. You had players like Jermaine McGilvery on the wing, Zach Hardacre and Ben Jones Bishop in the centres, Steph Ratchford and Matty Smith at halfbacks, um, Matty Cooper up front from Warrington with you, Sean Lund, yeah. Scott Taylor, Liam Farrell, Josh Hodgson on the bench. Big players. We did, and, and at the time as well, obviously we, we had a good a lot of experience. A lot of us were playing regular Super League for our club. So, you know, it was nice to sort of be on the, on the, the cusp of almost England, um, not quite ready, but at the same time being able to represent England, sort of eighteen England Knights, um, and and play with some quality players through you know other clubs and stuff. So it was, it, I loved it. It was a great experience. We met up, you know, three or four times a year, like the, the like the first team do. Um, we had our camps as well. We'd follow you know the England protocols and and plays etc. So we were ready to sort of make that transition whenever ready to sort of play for England. So. To have that sort of international fixture list as well um, was great. So um, I was proud, you know, I would have loved to kind of made, you know, a full time debut for England, but, you know, I never got that opportunity. But to represent England Knights was, was just as good. And, you know, to experience that sort of um, international duty was great. And like you said, the players that I got to play with, you know, it was great. And, you know, you come up against these players week in, week out and, you know, you test yourself, but, you know, to enjoy a different sort of environment coaching staff. Yeah, it was great. And just before we, we get on to the Wakefield aspect of this podcast, mate, I know I actually re- revealed this to you for the first time ever on, on the uh, on the other podcast, but your try scoring record for Warrington is phenomenal when you look at it. 100, 160 games, 120 tries. You're tied 13th 
in in Warrington's history in terms of try scoring, which is phenomenal. You are six hundred behind Brian Bevan, but we'll ignore that. But we'll, <laughs> I was yeah. I was chasing it, but I couldn't get there. <laughs> I know, yeah. Another another season or two, I think you've been all right. But again, Warrington lad, you watched Warrington growing up. You you came all the way through the academy to score that many tries and to be in in the heritage forever as the tied thirteenth top try scorer. That's that's must feel incredible. Yeah, you know what? I didn't know that stat until um, a little bit after leaving Warrington. Um, I, at the time, obviously, you know, as a, as a winger or a back, I always wanted to score tries, and every time I scored a try, I, was, I felt blessed to be part of this, the squad and the players that I was playing with. Um, as a winger, you just want to score tries, as to, whether it's a, a two-metre walk and a 100-metre dash to the line. So, um, for me to see that stat was, was amazing. I still look back now and, and to see that ratio was, was is great, you know, because obviously, the same again, I didn't play every single game at fullback. I didn't play every game starting. I, you know, I've got probably a handful of games of being on the bench um, in my early career. So, yeah, it's, when I look back now, you know, I'm very fortunate to have been part of that squad and, and, and been a successful part of that period. Because obviously, people seem to forget as well, it wasn't all the success. We had the period where we, we really struggled and Paul Cullen got sacked. You know, we had, you know, the mass crowd outside, you know, you know, chant his name, they wanted him out and that was a very difficult period and we we, we had a couple of sort of learning curves and Jimmy come in and, and tried to take the reins and you know that didn't go as successful and I loved having Jimmy Lowe's. It was it was great for me, you know, he used to make me feel amazing. He had that sort of one to one personal sort of coaching method that I really liked. So I remember like sort of doing hill training um during pre season. I got to the top of the hills and he was like, Oh, looking big there, Raz and like squeezing like, because obviously I've always Felt like I was under, you know, framed as a as a body and stuff like that. But you know, to get that sort of like, oh, God, I must be looking quite good at the minute. So it was great from Jimmy. He had that faith in me. You know, he started me at fullback. So I've got a lot of you know credit to give to Jimmy. Obviously, Paul Cullen before that. You know, giving me a debut. So every every coach has played a, a huge part of my time at Warrington. So you know, I'm very grateful to them first and foremost for giving me the opportunity to to play and, and be a part of them squads and. Hopefully, I've repaid that, and you know the club is uh, always a huge part in my in my, <clears throat> in my heart. And it's been nice to get down recently to a few games um, and get back being sort of a fan again. Very much so, mate. Very very well said. And and just before we do move on, just looking quickly at the stats, there's been 21 players who scored over 100 tries for Warrington in the history, and five of them are from that time period from when you played. There's, there's yourself, Chris Bridge, Benny Westwood, Joel Monahan, and Lee Breer. So you can. You know, you, you, I know you had the nickname the entertainers every now and again, but you, you, you could score tries and the evidence is there. Yeah, you know what? We, um, like I said, we had a, a successful period. I think that sort of just after winning 2009 and then the 2010, 11 and 12 season, that, that three years for me was like phenomenal. You know, we, we scored tries for fun. We scored distance. Um, you know, we had such a maverick in the play of Lee Breers is probably, you know, one of my favourite, if not like the best player I've sort of played with in terms of what he could come up with. Um, his kicking game, passing, his control of a game was was, was unreal. And like, so that, that right side, the infamous right side of Warrington, you know, Farfield, Gleeson, Brazier. And then obviously as time evolved, we had Chris Higgs, you know, Joel Monaghan, you know, Chris Bridge in that, in that period as well. So it was... It was great, and obviously, you know, I, I formed a good partnership on the left side with a few centres. But you know, I think we had one season between me and Ryan Atkins, and obviously, um, 
I think we sort of got nearly sixty tries between us in in the space of a you know season or two. It was just it was great. So we had a, a successful period. It was it was good. And then a massive change of scenery, mate. Not only in terms of physically, but obviously kind of emotionally as well. Just different different part of the country, different part of the league, totally different club. Tell us about your your move to Wakefield. <clears throat> yeah, it was um, at first it came as a bit of a shock. Um, I had a shoulder operation. Just only a little labrum tear. It was a clean out, but first time I've had sort of a, a shoulder operation that I came out of a um, large part of the pre season. Um, so I'd probably gone into the start of the season a little bit undercooked, but felt in, in good shape. We'd just been Australia and um, we played Saints. I think it was either first game or second game at Hello Jones. And I had a nightmare along with a few other players, but I can only look at me sort of my own, my own game at the time and, you know, I'll come up with some terrible plays and drop catches and I was I was undercooked and yeah I didn't I didn't get selected for the week after and then the third week we played I think it was Leeds and I jumped on the bus to Leeds and we travelled over and I remember bumping into Richard Agar who was good mates with Tony Smith at the time we had a good chat didn't say much about playing or anything like that Etc. But you've just seen how I was because I've been with Richard during my my England days as, as through the academy times, so we knew each other quite well. Um, and then the week after, you know, Tony had spoke to me saying that Richard had um, asked about me and would, would like to see if I wanted to come to Wakefield on loan. So I knew at that time, obviously, you know, with Tony saying that as well, I wasn't sort of going to be in his plans for the short term. And, you know, it was something that I probably felt like I needed at the time to just give me a bit of a reboot. I wasn't enjoying my time at Warrington um, in that moment, personally. Um, so I felt like a break away would be doing some good, same as when I went away in 2011 to London Wins, And I came back a much better, stronger player from that, from that sort of transition. So I felt like, you know, it was a good opportunity to get away, refresh himself, hopefully get playing well and then get recalled and come back and, you know, kick on again at Warrington. But yeah, it was good. I went there and, and you know, it was a different <laughs> it was a different environment, you know, from from what I had at Warrington. You know, we had sort of, you know, really great facilities. We just had a new gym built on um Chester campus in Warrington. Um and then next minute I'm I'm training in the back of a <laughs> A rusty old gym at the back of the, the Bellevue. I think I think um, the word you're looking for, Chris, is grubby. <laughs> yeah, a grubby old um, training room. Uh, stadium was obviously you know it's been a bit run down a little bit, and you know gone from the Hollywood Jones to the next minute you know the Wakefield Stadium, the training room, the the gym. Yeah, but you know what? It was something that I sort of fell into really, really good and, and quickly. You know, the players, you know, they don't have a lot. I didn't have a lot, but what they do have is, you know, close togetherness, that, that brotherhood um, that I've spoken about before. And, you know, you don't need all the fancy things, you know, as long as you've got a good team togetherness and, and banter and and that, you know, that'll take you a long way. I think that's it with Wakefield. I think because we're Wakefield lads and born and bred as Trinity fans, we we sort of grown up as a family club. You know, we haven't got the best of everything. You know, compare obviously, like you said, you compare Bellevue to uh, the Halliwell Jones. We've got nowhere near training facilities. We're behind, but we're a good club. You know, we're we're a, we're, we're good mates together. Everybody gets on together, so you all fit in. Even though you came all the way from Warrington, I bet they made you feel welcome. 
Oh, amazing. You know, I can't thank the staff enough. Um, you know, from Michael Carter, who, who was obviously overlooking the club at the time, and to Martin Claus, and who was the fitness coach. Um, I was obviously, like I said, I already knew Richard Agar, but one of the other players, obviously, Richard Mavers, obviously spent a lot of time with him at Warrington. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we had a phone call just before me coming over. So, and I already knew, you know, a few players, but, you know, same again, Reece Lynn, um took me on his wing whilst there. So, when, when I did come up, I'd, I'd stay over, you know, one or two nights a week. And, you know, I'd stay at Reese Lynn's house. And, 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 yeah, so I'm very grateful for Reese letting me stay over, you know, few nights we got on really well um you know good lad but yeah that that togetherness Danny Kerman you know led the way as, as, a, as a as a leader um and that first season I went on loan you know although we had a sort of a shaky start and you know I think we beat Catalans convincingly at home and then a, a couple of results in and a couple of losses there um and then I think there was obviously behind closed doors I, which I didn't really know at the time obviously Richard Agard had, had agreed that he wasn't going to take up a new contract or something like that they and the season wanted out of his contract um, for some reason to move on to new. And then obviously, you know, James Webster coming in and we had a sort of a, a run of games where we did, we, we did really well. And I, I just felt like at that time I was sort of really enjoying my, my rugby again. And it took me a while. Um, I didn't score for a little while. It took me, you know, some bedding in period. But once we got going, I scored a few tries by the end of the back end of the season, which I was happy with. The team was playing well. We got some great scoops against you know I think we'd be Wigan at home Leeds we drew against Hull um, the great win against Warrington away from home um, so yeah it was I really enjoyed it and then having chats before that Warrington game with Tony I sort of knew my future was sort of looking bleak at Warrington we had a good open honest chat um, a few tears was, was shared because obviously you know I hold the club daily in, in the heart but at the same time you know I just wanted to play rugby league and, and I was enjoying it at Wakefield so we made the move permanent. Yeah, just took to the words out of my mouth on there. Because, like, we started off, your your debut was against Catalan Dragon. We put 50 past them. A week later, we went to London away and we put 50 past them. So, we, we scored 100 points in two, in two weeks. But I wish we could do that now. But it was a great yeah. start for you. But then the wheels, like you just said, the wheels fell off. We, we lost about seven on the trot. We picked up a couple. Then we lost three on the trot. And Richie walked after Bradford away. I remember that. Yeah, that was it, yeah. We were awful at Bradford one day. Any, oh, it was awful. Mm. I remember that game. Yeah, it was. It was a game that we we put in the calendar that we we sort of wanted to go there and, and get a result. You know, it was no easy place to go, but you know we felt like that was a game that we needed to win, uh, especially on the back of a you know a poor run. Uh, it was scrappy. We got ourselves into fights. Um, we just was nowhere near good enough. And sometimes you know change has to happen. And and, and with Richard. Going who I, you know, was was close with, he, he helped me to come over to Wakefield. I was gutted to see him go, but um, I think the club needed a bit of a change at that time and we just couldn't keep, seem to get going with, with with what we had. So, you know, change was good and we ended up having a bit of a run after that and, you know, some more positive results rather than the results that we had at the start of the season. Yeah, we were, we're we're big Richie Agar fans. He's been on the podcast with us, and we've we've known him a long time. So it was sad to see him go. But like you say, Webster came in. We were unbeaten in five. We beat London. We beat Wigan. We beat Leeds. We beat Witness. Drew with Hull. But tell us about scoring a hat trick back at back at Warrington, mate. Forty points to twenty six. <laughs> that must have been a great day for you. Ah, uh, it was um sort of a bit of sweet moment. So yeah, touching back on what I said before, you know, I went back to the club. Um, I went to see the physio. Um, and. 
Um, we got chatting. I, I said, you know, I hadn't heard much from Tony and stuff. So then we had, I had a phone call from Tony and we met up at the changing rooms and we had a, an open discussion and, you know, me and Tony got on really well and, you know, you, you know what it's like when transfers happen, et cetera. And, you know, the rumours started coming out and me and Tony had a punch-up and so on and all this ridiculous, <laughs> stupid stuff that comes in the media um, and fans, you know, <laughs> getting Chinese whispers. But we didn't. We just sat in a chain room. He expressed what he felt was going to happen in the future. Um, and he had another year left. And, you know, I felt for me at the time, it was something that I really needed um, to rejuvenate myself and, and move on. And I just wanted to play rugby league is the main thing. And I was really enjoying that Wakefield. Although the travel was 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 tough but you know as Martin Clausen says you know choose where you live um, yeah. for me it was sort of once I got out there that that once I had that chat I knew then obviously you know Tony the first time we played against Warrington was at home <clears throat> and Tony didn't want me to play that way obviously emotionally or whatever etc no one knew what the future held for myself at, at that time but the second time round we spoke we knew what the future held and he just said, if you want to play this week, it's down to you. So I just said yes. And then I couldn't have written it any better. One, we, we got the result, but two, you know, scoring a hat-trick against your parent club uh, was great. That You know, for me, I scored a try and the crowd was, you know, still cheering me from the, the Warrant fans. And then I scored my second try, they're still cheering. But as I scored my hat-trick, you know, the, the, the clapping had stopped a little bit. <laughs> Obviously, we was, we was on a good run and we you know, were starting to, you know, get ourselves in front. And yeah, it was just, a bittersweet moment, bittersweet moment, and I think it meant a lot to other people. Um, I didn't soak it in till probably just after the game. Um, but yeah, like my system, you know, my, my family, my dad, um, other people's like, yeah, get get that into you know, like you know, mention Tony, like ah, get that Tony and stuff like. That. But for me, I never found it as personal as that. It was just obviously good to come back and go. You know what? I've still got it a little bit. You know, I'm still on loan, but. You know what? I was happy. It was a great win. Good score naturally against your parent club, and yeah, that's it. It was a you know, just one of them. I was we was in a good run. We was enjoying it. Our rugby was was going really well. So, so when you're winning, you know that environment's always good to be around. With you know we we wasn't a star-studded Wakefield team, but you know what? We had we had a lot togetherness, and you know it was just just a great day all round. So, and people still bring it up to this day. To be fair, you know it's a probably one of them moments where you know I look back and. Yeah, it's probably that moment where you know I come back and score that trick against my club. Definitely so, mate. Definitely so. And then I think you kind of transitioned over to the next season in 2015. It was a difficult year. We we started really well. We won the first two games, then lost 15 in a row, and ended up finishing bottom of the table. What what happened to you around this period? Because obviously it was the period of the the Super Eights, and then the million pound game we ended up in against Bradford. But your name suddenly wasn't on the team sheet. What what happened around that time with Brian Smith? Yeah, so obviously. One of the reasons why I wanted to sign as well, obviously, James Webster, uh, another coach that made me feel like I was sort of a, a leader player and, and and he relied on me a lot. So to play under a coach like that, I, I really enjoyed. So, you know, James has to take a lot of credit for that as well because one of the reasons why I stayed at Wakefield is because I had a coach like him. But same again, a club like Wakefield, you know, don't have massive resources. So, you know, we went into Super League, you know, with not the world's biggest squad. I remember, you know, one of the meetings we had, I think, a squad of 25 um, with, you know, four or five of them being young lads, you know, Tommy Johnston, Max Jowett, um, Chris Anakin, you know, a few other lads that 
Uh, just coming through and obviously, you know, Tom Johnson just gone to strength to strength and, you know, Max Dowry's holding his own at Wakefield now and, he's, you know, two quality players, but, you know, at the time was was young kids and um, started the season off really well and then they scoring a hat-trick against Hull KR at home and, you know, everything was going really well and, um, and then we're getting offered a, another one-year contract um, and at the time I just felt like it wasn't the right time to be Time myself down to another year. I wanted to see, obviously, you know, as a player, would see where the opportunities would, would come. And you know, I didn't have an agent at the time. I wanted to handle, you know, my contract negotiations myself and stuff. And you know what, learning curve. I probably didn't handle things as well as I needed to handle them at the time. I was just riding the wave of, you know, we started the season quite well, and then obviously as you start to dip, James Webster leaves, and then um, you know Brian Smith comes in, and. You just know then he brought in a few players around that time and, you know, I think uh, Lee Smith, Jordan Tanzi, um, you know, at the time, you know, for, as a player, I think that, you know, I can match my hold against these players. But for, for Brian, he, he fancied these players um, over me at the time and, and that was it. I just fell out of favour, unfortunately, with with um, with Brian. I don't know if he spoke to his brother Tony and told him <laughs> not to play, but... Um, no, I just fell out of favour and it was it was difficult. I remember playing against um, Lee at the Lee Stadium, um, at the Village Stadium there, and I played well, scored a try, um, and there's a couple of, um oh no, you got you got disliked, sorry, but yeah, I, I played well 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 I thought I played well and I thought I'd be in the week after and at the time sort of wondering if I'm if I'm gonna get another contract offer or not from the club. Um, and I remember training in the week. And Brian Smith come up to me and it was a, a strange moment, really, to be fair. I've never been in moments where I've had a coach that doesn't particularly value me as a player. And um, over and obviously the time when I started to sort of dwindle out at the back end of one. But, you know, I had years of, you know, Tony Smith backing me week in, week out against some of bigger opposition players, you know. So um, I remember Brian Smith saying, I've got some good news and bad news. So this is after, you know, the win against Lee. Me thinking that I played quite well. And he's like, the good news is, you know, we think we might offer you a contract, um, but it's not going to be the money that you'd want. So you can never think about it and mention that twine said about the finances. I but he said the, the bad news is I'm not I'm not going to play this week. <laughs> so I was just sort of like, what what's going on? Here? You want to offer me a contract potentially, but then next minute you you're not playing me the week after. So I, I sort of knew then, like you know, the the piece of the jigsaw was sort of put into place where I was sort of not fitting in and, you know, I was having chats with um, Lee Gilmore, who was one of the coaches at the time and, um, you know, he was obviously back in my corner and, and, and saying, that, you know, how would I be over these players X, Y and Z and stuff. And But it's all good having that, but, you know, it's Brian Smith was the main man and he's the one that you need to be impressing more than, than anyone. And unfortunately, I just fell out of favour and sort of put the back end of that, that season, you know, I was gutted because, you know, I enjoyed my time there at Wakefield and, you know, I would have liked to have finished it off in, in my own style. But, you know, I was very proud of the club to survive. You know, it was difficult. You know, we don't want to be involved in million-pound games and, and you know, I'm sure the club definitely don't want to be involved in, in moments like that unless you're winning. Um, and, you know, on that day, I'm, 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 I was buzzing for the boys. I was gutted deep down, you know, with my circumstances. But for the boys that, you know, that saved themselves and got the themselves over the over the line. It was it was amazing, you know, moment for the for the club to to do that. And for me, you know, it just 
didn't happen and you know sort of look back and you know a couple of it was you know my own decision early on in the season where I could have signed another one year deal and decided not to sign that straight away so then you know things not working out and, and that just happens unfortunately it's uh, politics to a certain degree in, in, in contract negotiations and whose cup of tea you are um, you know same again if I was a coach so I never really hold too much against you know Brian Smith or any other coaches that I've never worked out with for me but for me if you're a coach you know you can't please every single player it's going to be very difficult and if I pick a certain player you know you might think why are you picking him I fancy you know that player so it is what it is I never held too much bitterness against that it was just didn't work out and I sort of had a few things going on in my own personal life and, you know, I felt like at that time, once I finished with Wakefield, you know, I felt like my time was sort of up and I went to Vegas in the off-season and there was a, you know, a couple of rumours, you know, with other clubs, you know, Castleford and, and I think Lee potentially, but they had done deals a few weeks after that and I think John Monana going to Castleford and, and someone else going elsewhere. So for me, it was sort of full-time opportunity was sort of gone for me then and, so I decided to look at, you know, part-time and that's when, you know, I had a bit of time out first, thought about not playing and then I knew the coach down at Rochdale and, yeah, I ended up signing part-time for Rochdale for a couple of seasons, which, same again, rejuvenated myself. We had a successful season. We achieved something that we never thought we were going to. I went to Rochdale just to get fit and, and, and see what the future held, but we went on to go and win, you know, the League One trophy against a, an undefeated French side in, in Toulouse in their own back garden, you know, mm-hmm. little part-time Rochdale versus, you know, supposedly full-time Toulouse was amazing. You know, there was blue and white ribbons on the trophy already. You think there was any bear after the game and uh, it was, uh, yeah, that was another great moment. You know, I think uh, looking back, you know, I've won some, you know, silverware in my time and I've been very fortunate, but you know, that, that one stands up there, you know, one of my great wins to be fair because obviously I was an experienced player. We had some lads, you know, it was climbing up Chimneys and building fires and in painters and decorators and electricians having to work and then you know to turn up you know week in week out and you know to do what we did with Rochdale was you know I don't think it'll ever be done again. And and just rewinding slightly to, to the Wakefield uh, aspect of it, we we interviewed Tom Johnston at the back end of last year, and he credited you with with helping him in his early days of his career. Obviously, as you mentioned, him, him and Maxi and, and Jordy Crowther and. and them young lads are coming through at the same time. And do, do you remember having much of a bond with, with Tom and, and helping out the young lads? Yeah, I do, yeah. You know, Tom was, you could see that he had that sort of star ability. You know, he was, he was raw, but he was he was fast, he was fit. He, um, he You could see that he, he was someone that could be a future star. And, you know, he's lived up to his potential. Um, bar from, you know, the injuries that have, you know, delayed Tommy from going to another level, um, he's he's done fantastic. But yeah, never spend a bit of time on one and plays that you know I've been very blessed to and fortunate to have players look after me and, and pass off some experience and like you know the Matt Kings, Henry Firefielders, Chris Hicks, Joel Monaghan, you know the, them little things that you can just pass on and, and just you know help support players and stuff. So I was no different. I was I wasn't selfish. You know, obviously I wanted to play, and obviously you know Tommy was one of the players that was nibbling at the heels to have my spot or, you know, um, the other winger spot. Um, you know, I would always spread my time and, and, and give my advice and how Tommy could, you know, improve his game. And, you know, he already had that 
natural ability anyway. But for me, you know, I got on with Tommy really well and, and you know, I wished him all the well, best. For... And, you know, he finished off that season really well. You know, he was a young kid. Yeah, and some of the tries that he scored was, was fantastic. And, knew, you know, the club had a, a special play in their hands. So I'm, I'm grateful for him to, to mention me. You know, he didn't need to. But, you know, uh, for me, he's, he's gone above and beyond anything I could potentially do in terms of some of the freak tries that he does. Is a is a is a special talent, and you know I'm wishing him all the best for you know his journey in Catalans. Do you look back on your career fondly, Chris? I do, yeah. You know, I, I it's a it's a funny one, really, because obviously you know the difficulty I had. I think my own personal life, um, I had such a tough year or two where you know just after retiring and, and maybe retiring a little bit too early, um, and not really retiring on sort of what I would like to be my terms. You know being undecided, rather than having a clear plan of sort of umming and ahhing of what I really wanted to do and how I wanted to move forward. and um, But yeah, you know, look back, you know, when you hear stats, and you've mentioned a couple of stats in the, in the time that I spoke to you, um, you know, I probably I probably don't give myself enough credit in, in terms of, you know, what I have done. You know, I still look at myself as a, a player that was very fortunate to have played at Warrington for so many years. But you know what, when I look back, you know, I, I held my own. You know, I got dropped a, few, a couple of times for, you know, more, you know, experience and better players. But, you know, I come back in the squad with that fighting mentality. And I think I earned the, the trust of Tony Smith. You know, he gave me some great opportunities. I have, I have no doubt I didn't play well all the time. But, you know, he gave me that opportunity to, re, you know, regain that back again the week after or the week after that. And, yeah, you know, you know, I've done well. You know, a Warrington lad to win three Challenge Cups. I think I was either the first Warrington born player to win, you know, Challenge Cup three times and, you know, the tries that I've scored for once, you know, and, you know, to come to Wakefield and enjoy my time there as well, you know, it was it was difficult in patches and we had some success in, in small periods. Uh, so, yeah, it was, I'm happy, yeah, I look back and I'm quite happy. 158 tries in 275 first grade games, man, that sounds pretty good to me. I know, like you said, you're, you're unsure sometimes if you look back and, and uh, have confidence in yourself, but that's a pretty good record. Yeah, you know what? It was, you know, just to even get that first try it was um, a moment that I'll never forget. I remember being a young kid. I came off the bench against Witness, um, and Toro Cole Love gave me the ball down the wing, and I ended up going like sort of in and out. And I think it was Jules O'Neill who played for Witness at the time, um, and just being a you know seventeen year old kid living his dream, scoring tries, to go on and have a career that I had. You know, um, I look back a little bit to the question that you asked before, you know, could have prolonged it a little bit longer, potentially, but I remember my dad saying, you know, like, once I got into that sort of part-time environment, you know, I know some players, you know, continue that on for years to come and, and, and you know, no more than Paul Sykes, you know, the, the man <laughs> of uh, Jewsbury, the man of Jewsbury Rams, who I really enjoyed my time at Wakefield with as well. Um you know, I could have done that for years and, you know, collecting, you know, little pots of gold and while I was working full time. But for me, I, I just didn't have that desire anymore. So for me to, to do what I've done and my dad said, like, you know, what else more do you want to achieve? You know, and, you know, looking back over and if I could get back into a full time environment and, you know, challenge for big trophies again, you know, I've been very successful as it is. So I look back with, you know, you know, great memories, successful and I did all right. And am I right in saying your youngin pulls on a Warrington shirt as well? Uh, my oldest one, yeah, Isabella. She's obviously been around rugby league. Um, she's been roughed up by 
a lot of the players over the years and stuff, she, and she gives it back. Um, she started at a young age, to be fair. Obviously, girls mix with the boys, and I think as the development happened, it's, it's the boys obviously get a bit more physically stronger and stuff. And I think we've been the only girl in the team. And then I felt like other clubs would have you know girls in their teams, but they didn't for the first couple of years. So um, she found it very difficult at first, and, and had a couple of years back out. But when she got to ten years old. Obviously, the, the, the women's rugby league is, is massive. Uh, Warrington, none more. So, you know, you go to training now, they've got multiple clubs, Warrington Wolves, you know, ladies there. And, you know, there's just all these girls just, you know, rocking up with rugby boots on. And, yeah, she's 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 buzzing. She loves it. She started on the wing and now she's playing at loose forward. And, you know, she's got a wicked step and, and hand off and she's doing really well. And uh, who knows what the future holds. I've tried to not put too much pressure on her. You know, try to do coach from a touchline. Um, she tells me to shut up. Um, I'm, I'm not embarrassing dad at the minute. So, um, you know, I'm very proud of her. Um, I would have been if she didn't play rugby league anyway. But, you know, she sort of gave that fire in my belly going again a little bit. You know, you know, I sort of took a bit of a back step from, from rugby league for a little bit. But, you know, to get to watch Isabella play a sport that I, you know, love to play. And, you know, she gives me that that satisfaction and enjoyment back again. So she's doing really well. Um the girls' team is doing really well, to be fair. They've got a great group and bunch down there. And, uh, yeah, who knows what the future holds for another Riley. What a perfect way to end the podcast, Chris. Your, your heritage number 1,340 for Wakefield Trinity. 47 games and 18 tries. You, you, like you said, you, you're unsure of what your time was like at Trinity, but everyone you speak to and you mention your name down at Bellevue, they, 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 they say that you've put your heart on the line for the club and obviously you've helped a lot of young lads come through and represent the club on the way as well. So thank you for joining us on the podcast and thank you for giving us your time, Chris. Perfect. Thank you so much. And like I said, during my time at Wakefield, it was short-lived in terms of two seasons, but you know what, it was a back down to earth sort of thing and I, I loved it and some great people, great staff, Great people, great fans, you know, um, and uh, hopefully do. I know they're having a bit of a difficult season this year and it's been, you know, as a former player, it's been difficult to watch them, you know, get turned over the way they have done. But I'm, I'm rooting for them. I've still got some great friends down there. You know, Matty Asher, uh, none more so when he was my sort of travel buddy in the, in the Lancashire bus. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm rooting them on and hopefully Wakefield, you know, keep their head above water this season. So... Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's been a pleasure and I wish you all the success for the, the podcast moving forward. Thank you very much, mate. You're more than welcome down to Bellevue any time. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 78 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast. You can find us on podcasting platforms worldwide and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for further information and real-time updates on the podcast. Massive thank you once again to my co-host, Lee Robinson. Thank you to the three-time Challenge Cup winger, Chris Riley. And I have been Jamie Robinson, and I'll catch you all down the road. Hi, it's Cammy Tris Kamara. You have been listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. It's unbelievable!